All right, good morning. It's pretty cold. Last time I was watching myself on, uh, like we pastors do a painful thing of watching yourself again to kind of critique your sermon. And I noticed my hands were in my pocket the entire time because it's so cold. And even today, I'm going to go back and I know my hands are going to be in my pocket a lot more than I want it to be. Um, but yeah, you know, good to see you guys here. And uh, yeah, random passage. Um, random passage um, I always get stuck with passages like this I feel like where it's like I know Pastor Steve doesn't want to speak on this and so he gave it to me um, but you know as I was preparing for our time together uh, I couldn't help but to think just about how timely God's word is and my prayer is that as it ministered to me um, this week uh, in ways you know frankly I didn't want it to um, I'm praying that it would also minister to you uh, you know, lately, for myself, one thing that I'm really coming to grips with, and, you know, for you guys, it might, you know, not seem like a big deal, but to me, it's a big deal because I'm a pastor. You know, this is my life. And one thing that I'm coming to grips with is that so much of Christianity for me, I realize, I'm beginning to realize, I'm beginning to see, it's, it's just reserved for the intellectual for me, Christianity has is, is always been, and still is, a lot of it, an intellectual pursuit. Right? It's all about the things that I know. And I know these things. Like, I know about the big ideas, like justification. I know about sanctification. I know about things like pneumatology or ecclesiology. I know about a lot of these ologies but when I think about what it means for my life, the life that I'm living right now in front of me, day to day, I realize there's a huge disconnect for me. That it's just reserved for the intellectual. And those are important things. But recently, what I've been wrestling with is, how am I going to take these ideas? How am I going to take all these things that are up in my head? And how is that going to bear fruit? What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis for me? You and I, we are living this life, the life that is in front of us. And some of us, we didn't ask for this life. Some of us, we are living lives where we're asking ourselves the question like, this is not the life that I hoped for. This is not the life that I dreamed of. Some of us are tired and weary, scared and confused and hurting. And yet, when we hear, we go to church, we sit in our, in our seats and we hear about the sovereignty of God. And you ask yourself, what, what does that mean? do for me on a day-to-day -day basis. You sit here and you hear about the gospel, you hear about the love of God, how God is present in every season of need for us. You hear about those things and you look at your life day-to-day -day and you ask yourself, what does that look like? What does that look like for me? What does it look like for me to be hopeful in times of despair? What does it look like for me to trust that God is present with me in our most heart-wrenching times, in our most heart-wrenching pain? What do these big ideas look like for me on a day-to-day -day basis? What does that look like for our lives? Because the way that we spend our days is the way that we spend our lives. And that's what Ann Dillard says, famous author. So my prayer is, how do we take these big ideas that we have about God and his character and how it proves itself over time, over time? We know that in our heads. How are we going to take that? into our day-to-day -day lives. 
What does that look like for us? Now, our passage today is a continuation of verses 10 through 17. They're connected, and we'll look at how they're connected. But the question today, reserved for verses 18 through 21, is this question itself. It says, Jesus addresses this question with this parable, and the question is this. What does the kingdom of God look like? What is it like? And the comparison that Jesus gives here is this, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's like a mustard seed that's buried in the ground. And eventually, it results in a tree so grand that birds can make nests out of its branches. And he goes again, he says, the kingdom of God is also compared to leaven. Leaven that's hidden in flour until it's completely infiltrated and it, it's just in the flour. You cannot distinguish the leaven from the flour. And eventually, over time, it totally transforms the, the flour. The identity of the flour is fully changed through and through. And if you think about it, that's a real odd comparison for Jesus to make. Because if the question is, what is the kingdom of God like? The answer that Jesus gives is, is actually very underwhelming. Because if I asked you to imagine in your minds for just a second, to imagine a kingdom... And just take that one step further to imagine the kingdom of God. What is the image that comes to mind? It's probably something grand. For me, I don't know why, maybe it's because of the song, I, I think of streets of gold. I think about the kingdom of God and I think streets of gold. It's something beautiful, something massive, something so big. But that's not what Jesus says here. When the question is, what is the kingdom of God like? How does it work? How does it operate? Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, it's similar to the mundane, to the boring, to the underwhelming and hidden work of planting and growing seeds. It's small, it's boring, it's ordinary. He says it's like the routine, ordinary work of leaven marrying with flour. And from the bat, here's what we see. The way that Jesus moves, the way that God moves, the way that God reigns and operates in his kingdom and in our lives, what we see from the get-go, it's not what we expect. It's not what we would imagine. And so for our time together this morning, what we want to do is we want to take a look at two aspects of how God moves. Two, looks, two, two perspectives on how God operates, how he reigns and rules in our lives and what that looks like for us in the life that we're living right now in front of us day to day. That's my goal today. So the first point that I want us to look at is this. The first thing that we see about the kingdom of God and how God operates, how he moves, how he reigns and rules in our lives, the first point is that God operates and he moves in the unseen. He moves and operates in the unseen and he moves and operates in processes. Here's what I mean by that. In both of these parables, in the mustard seed and the leaven, what we see is that the way that God moves and operates, it's hidden. You cannot see him moving. The mustard seed is hidden in the ground. You cannot see how it grows. The leaven is hidden in the three measures of flour. You cannot see what it's doing. And yet the promise is that God is moving he is working. He is operating. Even though it is hidden to us, we know that he is working. Because the parables tell us the mustard seed grows and it becomes a grand tree. Even though the seed is hidden, 
Even though you cannot see God moving in the seed, what we see is eventually over time, it becomes a massive tree. The leaven, hidden in the flower. You cannot see it working in the flower. You cannot see it transforming the flower. But eventually, you'll see, the flower is entirely leavened. And so the promise, the hope, the results, the transformation, the end, it will come. But how exactly do we get there from where we're starting? It says God works in the unseen. He works in the hidden. And He also works in processes. You notice that it doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. I mentioned earlier that these parables are connected to the story previous to these parables, right? Verse 18 makes it clear that it is. In verse 18, it says, He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? The therefore there, it serves as a conjunction. What it's doing, it's, it's connecting these parables with the story that comes before. And if you, were here the, uh, if you were here last week, Pastor Steve shared the story found in verses 10 through 17. And if you read it, it's about a woman who was disabled for 18 years. 18 long years she was disabled. And the instant Jesus lays his hands on her, she is immediately freed from her disability. Immediately. And you think, awesome. Can you just imagine that woman and just the moment that she is touched by Christ and she's immediately healed? the relief that she must have felt, the release of her burden. And we look at that, and that's awesome. But man, is it easy for us to forget. It took 18 years for her to get there. 18 long, hidden, painful years. 18 years of hidden moments of asking questions with no answers, of praying and weeping in the dark. 18 long years of dragging her feet into the synagogue with her disabled back, asking, why is this happening to me? 18 long years of why can't he fix this situation just right now? Why can't he just take it away from me? You see, before that miraculous healing in the synagogue that day was a process of 18 long years where it seemed like nothing was happening. It was hidden to us. It's maybe hidden to even the woman, but it's known to God because He is working even in the hidden. He is working in the unseen. You know, what we see here in these verses, in the story of the healing of the disabled woman, the trip to the synagogue, the parable of the mustard seed that we cannot see growing because it is hidden in the dirt, the parable of the leaven that we cannot see it's doing its work because it's hidden in the flower. And what we see in just other parts of the scripture and even in our own lives is the way that God works, the way that he operates, the way that he moves, rules, and reigns, oftentimes, a lot of the times, maybe the majority of the times, is in the unseen. And it happens in processes. It doesn't happen immediately. So again, the question for us is this, how does this affect our life on the ground? And the life that you and I are living day to day, if it is true that God does work in the unseen, even though it's difficult for us to pinpoint exactly how, if it's true that He's working in the hidden, if it is true that God works in processes, that He is unfolding His plan, not 
according to our wisdom, but according to His wisdom, in His love, in His good timing. If these things are true, then what that means for you and I on a day-to-day basis is this, is that you and I can have patience if these things are true. James 5, 7, it's another farming imagery. It reads this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. If it's true, that even though we cannot see God is moving, if it's true, that even though we're frustrated, no, nothing is changing, that God works in processes, then it will lead us to be patient. And that's such a sucky answer. Because nobody likes to wait. I don't like to wait. Nobody likes to sit still, especially in seasons of confusion and seasons of suffering. It's hard to be patient and remind ourselves when you're suffering, okay, God is working. Even though I cannot see, I know that God is working. And that it's all part of the process. It's hard. When your life is stuck, nothing is changing. You look out. Everyone else seems to be moving on, but you're stuck. It's hard to remind yourself, be patient. Trust, God is moving. I wonder if you guys have ever asked yourself this question or found yourself saying these things, I prayed, but it it didn't work. I prayed, but he didn't answer. Or if you ever found yourself saying these things, I read the Bible, but I got nothing out of it. I went to service, but I didn't feel anything. Do these thoughts sound familiar to you? It reveals to us a desire to see things happen now and immediately. And yet, if it is true that God works in the unseen and in processes, it is a challenge to us. Be patient. Be patient. Allow that process to unfold in your struggles, in your suffering. We need patience because it is a process. And the promise that God gives to us is that, hey, I am moving. I am working. Wait for it. How can you and I be patient when it's impossible for us to see changes? How can you and I be patient when we don't see any changes happening in front of us? You know, to be honest, I don't, you know, I, this is, I got stuck. I don't know. It's hard. But one thing that I did find encouragement personally for me this week is this. It's what David Paulus had said. He's a, he's a Christian counselor. He passed two years ago. But he, he says something like this, and I found great encouragement in it. And I hope it encourages you as, a, you as well. It, it, he writes this. He says that what matters most is not the distance covered or the speed that you're going at. That's not what matters. But what matters most is direction. Let me read that once, one more time because it's deep and there's cars passing by, so I'm afraid you didn't hear. He writes this, that what matters most is not the distance covered or the speed that you're going at. What matters most is direction. And can I ask you guys, if you guys are in a place where you're frustrated, where you are finding it difficult to see God moving in your life, and you look around and you feel like nothing is changing, nothing is going right, everyone else seems to be going but you're stuck. 
and I'm asking you to be patient, and you're like, how? What, am I, what is that going to do? How can I find the strength to be patient? Then can I just ask yourself to ask yourself this question? Okay, but are you at least looking in the right direction? Are you at least facing toward God? In your season of asking questions, in your season of wrestling with doubts, when you feel like nothing is changing, when you feel like you can't take another step forward, can you ask yourself, okay, at least am I facing God? Am I just going in that general direction? Forget for a moment about how fast others are going. Forget for a moment how things might not have changed for you in the past month, maybe even years. Forget for a moment how there seems to be no hope. Just ask yourself, okay, but at least am I facing God? At least am I looking at Him? At least am I going in the right direction? It's not about the distance that you're covering sometimes. It's not about how fast you're going. Sometimes, the victory for us is at least are you looking at God? The verse that came to mind is this. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, it says, and this is perfect for me, and maybe I'm hoping for you too that you'll pocket this and one day in your season of suffering you'll be able to say this. It says, in 2 Chronicles 20, 12 reads this, I, we, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, but God, my eyes are on you. The second point about how God moves, how he operates, how he rules and reigns in the kingdom of God is this. What we see in these parables, the second point is that God works in the ordinary. God works in the ordinary. The two things that Jesus compares the kingdom of God to, the two things that he compares, this is the way that I'm going to move. This is the way that I'm going to work. This is the way that I'm going to reign in the kingdom of God and in your life. These are the two things. Look at the mustard seed and look at the leaven. Mark 4, verses 31 through 32, tells us this about the mustard seed. It says, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. It's the smallest. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. The leaven, it's so small. You can't even distinguish it from the flower when it's mixed together. And yet God takes what is, we consider small. God takes what we consider ordinary. God takes what we consider minuscule and minimal. And he uses them to bring about tremendous impact, tremendous growth, total transformation in our lives and in the lives of others. God uses the ordinary to bring about tremendous impact and change in the lives of others. God takes what we think is ordinary, what we think is just embarrassingly small, and he uses it to bring about tremendous growth in the lives of others. Sometimes, have you ever found yourself in that situation where you're hesitant to give because it's so small? You feel like it's going to do nothing compared to the problem or the pain that the other person is feeling? And you feel like, oh, I don't even want to say something because I feel like it's just minimizing their pain. And yet the promise for here, the promise here for us is, no, those text messages that you send, 
God can use something small like that to bring about tremendous impact in the lives of others. Your presence in the life of someone who is struggling, your presence in that CG, your presence in that community group, your presence during that service, it can bring about tremendous impact in the lives of others. You may be asking yourself, how much is this going to help? And the question, that answer that God gives us in these parables is this, that it's exactly in these small, ordinary things that you think God can do nothing through that God uses to bring tremendous growth and impact in the lives of others. And even for ourselves, as you and I, we seek to grow into His likeness as Christians, as Christ followers, as sons and daughters of our Father, as we work hard in our life to look like our dad, it's easy for us to think that it is only in the big and impressive things, that it is only in the big and impressive moments that that's where God is working, that that's where I can meet Christ. It's very easy for us to buy into that lie, that it's only at retreats, that it's only at conferences, that it's only at peak spiritual moments, spiritual highs, that where we can meet God. Those are the moments where we can say, yes, God encountered me there. Real, like what can God do, really, to the short, distracted, sometimes I'm praying, sometimes I'm not, I'm driving to work, I'm cursing at the guy who cuts me off while I'm praying. What can God do those things, do through the, those times you ask yourself? You ask yourself, what can God really do to the frustrated, doubt-filled questions that I bring to the table? What can God do those things? Do do those things. And you're hesitant to bring it. And yet God tells us in today's passage that it is exactly in those moments. It's exactly in those ordinary and small moments that God moves and operates. Not impressive, nothing major, but God uses those moments and they add up, and he uses it to bring about tremendous change and impact. You know, I'm not a visual kind of person. I don't like to really use visuals, but we had a joke. We were joking around that it's Pastor John who likes to use visuals, right? I don't, I don't really do those things, but I, I remember I wanted to share a visual with you, if that's okay, right? Um, it's from a conference we, our staff went to a couple years back, and it stuck with me, obviously. That's why I'm sharing it with you guys. And I'm hoping it shares with you too. And it was a, you can look it up on YouTube. He does a, he does a far better job of doing it than me. Um, he, takes a, he takes a jar like this and he compares just these boring, ordinary moments that we offer to God. He compares them to these small marbles, right? And he says something like this. He says, look how small these marbles are. This is your, your, your prayers, on your commute to work, where half the time you're praying and half the time you're not because you're so distracted and you're like, did I pray about that already? And then you start over again. He said, it's that. And you look at it, you put it in the jar and it's nothing, it, it's, it's absolutely nothing, it's tiny. And he says something along those lines of like, this is the verse that you read in the morning before you were making coffee for yourself or breakfast for your kids. Tiny, nothing, it feels like nothing and you put it in the jar and it's like, okay, what, what good is that gonna do? And he says, okay, this is, this is uh, you going to service. You go to service and you fell asleep during service, right? And you're like, okay, what good? I, I barely heard the, the sermon today. What, what good is that going to do? And you add that to the jar. 
And he says, look, these small moments, one by one, by itself is tiny, but eventually you look at it and it, it, it turns into this. Little by little, you, you put these marbles into the jar. Little by mo little, these moments, these, these ordinary, these boring, these mundane, these things that you feel like it brings about no, nothing. And yet you collect them and after a while you look back and you're like, wow. Look at, look at what God was doing in those moments. In the collection of those small moments. My question to you is this, have you bought into the lie that God is only working in the moments where you feel like, no, this is worth it for me to share on my social media because it, 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 it's grand. It's impressive that God can only work in those moments because our parable today teaches us otherwise, that it's actually in the small and ordinary moments that God uses for his glory for the advancement of his kingdom and his name. Again, though, what does that look like for us day by day? If it is true that God uses the small and ordinary things, that he uses the non-memorable moments to bring about great and tremendous change in our lives, what does that look like for us on a day-to-day -day basis? If those things are true, then it ought to lead us to faithfulness in the small and ordinary things. As small and ordinary it is, as it is, if it is true that God uses those things, then it ought to prompt us to faithfulness in those small things. If we know that that's how God moves, if we know that these are the things that God is going to do through these small things for His kingdom, for His glory, it will lead us to want to be faithful in the small and ordinary things. It will encourage us to be persistent and consistent in the ordinary mundane moments, Monday through Friday, in the continual small acts of love for our neighbors, in the daily consistent mundane act of reading our Bibles, praying when we have no more words to pray. We still offer it up because we know that it's in those moments that God will use to bring about tremendous change. We are persistent in our groaning when we have no more tears to cry because we know that it's in those moments that God is going to use to bring about tremendous change and impact. We are consistent and persistent in giving up even the smallest of things because we know that God and works, God works and operates in the ordinary. And He's going to use those things to mold us into His being. How does God operate, move, reign, and rule in the kingdom of God? He operates and moves and works in the unseen. And he moves and operates in processes. And if that is true, then you and I can be patient. We can learn to trust him. We can learn to look toward him. Even if we're not moving toward him, we learn to, okay, at least I'm going to face and look in that general direction. He works in the ordinary. He works in the boring. He works in the simple. And if that's true, then you and I can aim to be faithful in the boring, in the ordinary, and in the simple, the mundane. Even when things don't seem to be making sense, you and I work hard to be faithful in those things. You know, to be honest, and I spent a long time, like I, I was stuck 
you know, here. Because there's a lot of different ways that this can go. There's a lot of different things that we can say. There's, it's a very rich passage. And I spent a long time trying to figure out how to land the plane here. But this is, I, it's not the best, I think, but this is what I, I, I think I want to share with you as we close our time together here is this. As I said before, that these passages today are connected uh, to the story that Pastor Steve shared last week. And as I was studying this passage, I was reading this passage over and over again, what we have here is a very specific promise from God. What we have here is this promise that there will be a day where the unseen work of Christ in our lives, it will all come to light. What we have here is this promise that the unseen work of God in our lives, it will come to fruition one day. That one day that you and I will be able to see what he was doing. That there will be an end. That there will be a release, a, a sigh of, oh, that's what you were doing. That's the promise. And like I said, these verses are connected to the ones that we read last week. And I love how last week, the story of the disabled woman healed after 18 long years of suffering. The scripture is very clear that she is healed on the Sabbath day. And Pastor Steve mentioned last week, the Sabbath day, it's the day of rest. For us, it symbolizes freedom. It symbolizes a, a day that you and I will be enter into the Father's rest where you and I will have just relief. Every burden lifted from our shoulders. She's healed on that day. And today, as we look at verses 18 through 21, I love how in the parable of the mustard seed that's hidden under the ground, it grows into a tree, but Jesus is very specific. It grows into a tree where the birds are going to be able to make nests and find rest in the tree. They're going to be able to rest there. And even in the, in the leaven, it's so small, it's hidden in the flower, but it totally transforms the nature of the flower. Totally infiltrates the fabric of the flower and turns it into something else. Oh, and it's almost like you take these three things and it's almost like it's all pointing toward what you and I have in store. What you and I have waiting for us as sons and daughters of God. That there will be a day that it's coming. It's guaranteed. It's sealed for us that there will be a day where you and I will be able to enter into a total, into an ultimate rest. It will transform us. It will be nothing like you and I expected. And the promise in these parables is that it's coming, that it's guaranteed for us, that for the moment now, God is working. He is moving. He is operating in the unseen. He is moving. He's operating in the simple things, in the ordinary things that you and I just embarrassingly bring to the table. But he's working in those things, in his timing, in his wisdom, in his love and his mercy. He will take those things and he will bring it to an end. That the things that he is doing, that it will come to completion, that you and I will be able to see it one day. You know, the scripture that, that all I could, it's, just, it's so fitting, and I'll end with this. It's in Philippians 1.6. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he, he writes this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's the promise that you and I have, even when we can't see it. Even when it seems like God is not moving, the promise for us is that it's coming. And that He is working right now in our lives to bring that end into our lives. Let me pray for us and close our time together. God, we thank you for your word and how it sharpens us. God, we thank you. I thank you for just the, the ministry of the Spirit and how it just, how it, it brings these words to life. And we pray, Lord, that as we God, seek to look toward you, as we seek to just face you, when it seems like we can't do anything else, as we muster up the strength, the strength that we have left to just face you and just try to figure out where you are in our seasons of, of doubt, of questioning, of suffering. God, would you help us to be patient and trust that you are moving, though we cannot see it. God, would you help us to be faithful in the giving of the small things that we have, the small things that we can bring, whether it's our time, whether it's our presence, whether it's just just whatever it is. God, that we don't have to bring something spectacular, that we don't have to bring something impressive for you to be able to move in our lives. God, that your promise to us is that you work in the small, boring, ordinary things to bring about tremendous change. And we ask, Lord, that you will just be faithful to that promise. God, we pray, Lord, that this week that you will really help us to, just whether it's through just still small voice, whatever it is, that you will gently remind us of these truths, that you are working in our lives, that it is not our doing, but that it is you, that you are working, and that you will bring about what it is that you have for us. Rest, conformed into your likeness, joy, that it is promised to us. God, we love you so much. Help us love you more. We pray all of this in your son's wonderful name. Amen.